Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Caitlin Menza. And I'm Lisa Ryan. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed. Royally. Caitlin, it's called Royally Obsessed. It's so early in the morning (laughs) at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review so I can say that correctly. You got that one right. I'm proud of you there. (laughs) Um, You can send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. Um, uh, this week we are uh, it's early in the morning because we're recording early because um, unfortunately I'm traveling this week yes I know the same week as the tour of Pakistan I feel guilty enough as it is don't make it worse guys I feel really bad I know Caitlin here's the thing we hate you I knew it and we don't forgive you I knew it but at least we'll be able to do all of the tour at once next week so please forgive me for that but instead we are joined uh, today for this special episode by Sally Hughes who wrote the teeny tiny book Our Rainbow Queen, a tribute to Queen Elizabeth II and her colorful wardrobe. By teeny tiny, we mean like the size of kind of like a novel almost. It's just, it looks so lovely. So you would think it was a giant coffee table book, but it's not. But it is compact and it is. It's pretty great. I it's love a it. great new book um, about the Queen's fashion, and it's arranged by rainbow colors of all of her best looks. It's just, it's super, super fun stuff. And so we're so happy to have uh, Sally to chat with about it, mm-hmm. calling us all the way from Brighton. Thank you mm-hmm. for that, Sally. Um, but before that, uh, a royal refreshment is. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Coffee. Yes, we're addicted. So <laughs> when you are calling people in the UK, you have to get up early. Yes, and mm-hmm. we are topping that off with some donuts. Yeah, thank you for that, Lisa. It's really nice. I went to the Dunkin' Donuts by the office, so it yeah. was really, really kind of me. I'm just so grateful. Um, <laughs> would you like to... Uh, I have to say, Caitlin is recording with a chocolate a frosted donut with Halloween sprinkles right <laughs> on top of her um, packet for all yeah. of our information. Yeah, right on top of all my questions for Sally, I have uh, frosting. That's just how I roll, you know? Classic American. Classic American. Uh, okay, so do you? will you please read our listener email? Sure. It's from Rachel. The subject is, at the conclusion of the Africa tour, some Megan love. Um, she writes, hi, queens. I just wanted to send a thank you for your lovely podcast. Listening in gave me just enough Needed girl time to survive the first lonely months of moving to a new country for work for me and my hubby. I have two kids, Jack, the same age as Charlotte, and Mabel, the same age as Louie. Just like my mother before me, I am dreaming that my children will one day marry into the royal family. I love the name Mabel. It is That is really sweet. Um, We live in Tunisia, and even though it's North Africa, I had a dream that Meghan and Harry would stop here while on their Africa tour. As it is my as it was my dream, I got to meet Megan as they were touring around some of the sites. Megan and I hit it off and ended up having tea together. Get this in the dream. When she shook my hand, I had the specific thought. I finally have something I can email the girls <laughs> at Royally Obsessed about. Ha. Huh. I thought I'd let you know, even 
uh, that even my subconscious is a big fan of you all. Keep up the positive podcast. Rachel, I'm a little offended that Megan doesn't go by her first name. <laughs> well, you can understand Megan Markle sounds really good. Not that Rachel Markle does not, but I do love alliteration. Um, and I love that you are dreaming about the podcast. I know. I mean, I think we could all dream that she would come and hang out with us. Yeah, it's it's perfectly appropriate. And you know what? I could see a tour of Tunisia in their future. Yeah. And when it happens, um, I hope that you are just right there behind the barricade, Rachel. Thank you so much for writing mm-hmm. in. I Thank love you. that letter. Um, okay. And then we have um, This Week in Royal History. And now, This Week in Royal History. I can't even believe this was a year ago. Yeah. Our royal histories aren't going that deep into history right now. We're just kind of reliving what we did a year ago. No, but but it's really fun. So unbelievably, this week a year ago is when we found out that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were expecting a baby. Yes. It was um, on social media, Kensington Palace, uh, Kensington Royal, their former uh, Twitter and Instagram account said the royal highness their royal highnesses the duke and duchess of sussex are pleased to announce that the duchess of sussex is expecting a baby in the spring of 2019 the royal highnesses have appreciated all the support that they have received from people around the world since their wedding in may and are delighted to be able to share this happy news with the public i always love that they they tweeted out that news with a beautiful image of chris uh, jackson. a chris jackson image of the two of them because they are just like grinning ear to ear not that they're often not in public when they're together of course but it's just like an especially grinny photo that they use and it, it's nice to know it must be nice for chris jackson to know that they're such fans of his photos because they use um they use them to tweet out their happy news um can't believe that that was a year ago and of course it was right before the gigantic tour uh, down under. So then we spent the next, you know, basically two weeks looking at Meghan Markle's stomach, which must be so fun for her. I know that must. <laughs> I, I think about it sometimes. And I'm like, that's so invasive and awkward that the entire yeah. world was like staring at your your stomach like that. Yeah. I, I feel even kind of creepy myself having done it. Yeah. Like, no, it's just what a time uh, a year ago. And it's and now we have Archie. And he's so cute. <laughs> he's so art, just so cute. And now we've had, we've seen him on his own royal tour again. It's just like, wow, this has been a very quick timeline uh, for the Sussexes. But it's just unbelievable to think about that. That was a year ago this week. Um, so that is our week in royal history. Um, and now we're going to jump right to our chat with Sally. So now we are joined by Sally Hughes across the pond, uh, who is the author of the new book, Our Rainbow Queen, a tribute to Queen Elizabeth II and her colorful wardrobe. Hi, Sally. Hey. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I love how unembarrassed Americans are about liking the royal family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm quite often embarrassed by a lot of things, but not by this. (laughs) I will say I'm often embarrassed to tell when I encounter a British person and I'm like, oh, I I have a a podcast about the royals. (laughs) I I love it, though. I love it. It's so great. Well, we're so happy to have you. Um, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and your career and how you wound up writing this book? So I'm a journalist and have been for 25 years, something like that. And I was commissioned, well, I uh, wrote for my column, my weekly column a few years ago about how much I loved the Queen. And I do love the Queen. I've loved the Queen my entire life. And I think um, it was very surprising for people that I had written it because I write for 
uh, one of my regular gigs is I have a column in The Guardian, which is obviously a left wing newspaper. Um, I'm younger than most royal biographers who tend to be kind of quite aged aristocrats who are in the inner circle somehow. And so I think people were quite surprised that I wrote about the Queen and said how much I loved her. And then off the back of that, Penguin, who are not my usual publishers, uh, got in touch with me and said they wanted to do a book on the Queen and would I be interested in writing it? And I have never said yes so quickly. In fact, my agent said, please stop saying yes. We haven't even discussed the money yet. Because <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> um, I was like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, I'd love that. But um, in fact, that's not the most sensible business practice. Uh, but I did, I did end up doing it and I had a ball. It was the most enjoyable book to write. Yeah. Can you tell um, for listeners who don't have it, who aren't lucky enough as us to have it in their hands yet, can you tell them about the format of the book? So it's cute. Like it's a small book. Normally my books are something like 100,000 words long. This one is uh, much shorter because so much space and love is given to the photography, which was a real treat for me. Um, and it basically chronicles the Queen's wardrobe um, throughout her reign. And we've split it into colours. So the book resembles a kind of rainbow flicker book. And each chapter is based on a different colour or on print. And I chronicle her life in that colour, I suppose. And I talk about what each colour means, what the different uh, bits of etiquette and code involved in the Queen's wardrobe are, who is responsible, who's behind her different looks, the reasons for them and so on. And what made you want to format it in this way? It seems like such an ode to her really, really colourful style. Uh, yes, I think it's, I think most people, if they close their eyes and imagine the Queen, if she's not in full regalia and crown jewels, they imagine her in colour blocking. I think that's the look we most closely associate with her. So she'll wear top to toe red or top to toe purple or yellow or green. And she has that full impact colour. Um, and so it just seemed really obvious that the way this book should be laid out is for each chapter to have a different colour and for them to be grouped together like that so that when you flick through the book you can see the full rainbow of the Queen's style. Yes it's so fun to do that I was doing it on the subway on the way here. Um, <laughs> can you tell us about what kind of research went into it because I would have been happy with just the photography honestly but it's packed with really interesting fun facts about her dressers and um, her brooches and what kind of messages she was maybe trying to send that day. So what kind of research went into the book? Well researching the Queen is both incredibly infuriating and really good fun <laughs> in, in in that the queen never explains the queen never clarifies the queen will never really make a statement on anything at all and so what you have to do is you have to take a kind of 360 view and gather up every new story you can find so i had press cuttings going back to the 50s and 40s, in fact, I think was the earliest bit of uh, research and pooling all those press cuttings together, making sure that more than one person made a speculation or an allegation and trying to get those things confirmed from multiple sources. So, um, yes, a mountain, a mountain of press cuttings, um, huge numbers of uh, photographs with photographers details and dates and royal tours and cross-referencing all the time but it was fun because I think if you're very interested in somebody and it's a person who actually is quite secretive it's even more intriguing and fun to do a deep dive. 
Yes, um, definitely. And you mentioned throughout some of the sort of quote unquote rules of royal dress and of her royal dress and how she has to be, of course, a bit more modest than, say, her sister had to be um, or more modest than, let's say, um, her granddaughters-in-law are now. So what are some of the rules that we've seen from her again and again um, that seem to be set in stone but have maybe changed as she's gotten older? Well, the really important thing to remember about how the Queen dresses or how the Queen does anything at all, in fact, is that everything is steeped in a sense of duty, a sense of responsibility and a sense of decorum. And so most of her wardrobe rules really are about appearing respectful um, and respecting of her subjects, i.e. us as uh, as her citizens of the Commonwealth and of the United Kingdom. And so much of it is pure politeness. So, for example, if she attends a Commonwealth event, she typically won't wear anything that resembles one flag more than another. So she'll generally avoid colours that appear in flags so as not to show favouritism. Um, if she is going to an event where there's lots of grass, she typically won't wear green because she feels that people want to know where she is and to see her. Um, the reason she wears colour blocking, in fact, is all about politeness. She feels that if people have been waiting for her in the rain, for eight hours behind barriers, they should at least be able to spot her when she finally arrives. And she's only five foot three and she herself has said, well, if I wore beige, nobody would know who I am. And so there's, there's, there's an element of just making sure that people get what they've come for. And the same applies to her transparent brollies, her transparent umbrellas when it's raining. They're <laughs> transparent so that people can see her face, so that they haven't queued up for all that time to see a kind of anonymous figure working the crowds. Yeah, and I was also intrigued to see that, as you note, some things have changed um, both with the times and with her own age. Like, for example, she really liked wearing fur, and now she has maybe done a bit less of that because fur is more and more controversial over the course of her life. Yeah, um, that's true. She would um, she would only wear vintage fur now, and even then, really not very often. Um, the bearskinned helmets worn by the Welsh Guards, for example, and worn by the Queen uh, during Trooping the Colour and other ceremonies like that are no longer made with real fur. In fact, the palace is said to be involved in developing a vegan version of the be- oh. the, Canadi- the Canadian bearskin um, that has traditionally been worn. So again, it's it's a sense of politeness, of respect to her subjects. And these rules, these things that she does, like dressing brightly so people can notice her, are those things that she has learned on the job or are those lessons that were passed down to her? No. So those are very much hers. And I think this is really important to remember about the Queen. She really is the most visible monocle of all time. And there are reasons for that that are just to do with modern living in that television exists during this reign, which it didn't exist in the last reign, of course. Um, Photography, all members of the public have cameras and take photos. So, of course, there are those things that make her more visible. But we also mustn't forget that she has made herself more visible. It was she who agreed to televise the coronation. It is she and the Duke of Edinburgh um, who felt that she needed to be a much more visible monarch. And so many Many of these things in terms of how she dresses are things that she has learned on the job in response to her own initiatives. And I think that's very interesting and we can see it 
uh, being passed down to a degree to, to the younger royals. There are still some very old rules that she adheres to. So typically, uh, you won't see an unmarried royal woman in a tiara. Right. Um, typically, you need to either be married to wear a tiara or it needs to be your wedding day. So in which case, for example, with uh, with Catherine and with Meghan, they both wore tiaras loaned to them by the Queen on their wedding days. But prior to that, it would be very unusual to wear a tiara. That's something that has been that has been common royal etiquette for, for many, many, many generations. But for the most part, the, the Queen has written her own, her own rule book and um, they have been become convention because she is such a long reigning monarch. Yes. So our um, our interview with you is falling in between two royal tours um, with her grandsons. And mm-hmm. so I, what I loved about one of the aspects of the book that I loved was your notations around her royal tour outfits. Um, mm-hmm. Are there some examples you could call out of ways that she honored the countries that she was visiting? I mean, sometimes it's as simple as wearing the colors of the flag. Um, but sometimes mm-hmm. there's really more interesting stories mixed in as well, like the kiwi feather cloak when she was in New Zealand. Can you tell us about some of your favorite tour looks? Yeah. So so when the Queen does a royal tour, which of course it, it is less likely to happen now because she's so much older, but much, much of her life has been spent on royal tours. And typically the outfits for a royal tour would have been planned some two or three months in advance. And when I say planning, I don't mean like an idle sticky note you might have on your phone about what you might put in your suitcase. I mean, serious deep dives into local culture, local etiquette, any sensitive political situations, who else is likely to be there, what they're likely to wear, any culturally sensitive things that she needs to look out for, super, super forensic in the planning. Um, And so, for example, if she were to go to, there are lots of, there are lots of ways she has to do that. So if she were to go to, say, China or Russia, it is highly unlikely that she would wear red, for example, Mm. because that has political connotations to the rest of the world. If she was in a country where white was a colour of mourning, for example, she wouldn't wear white there unless she was attending a service of remembrance in some kind of some kind. Uh, in India, she wears pink a lot because that's a very important colour in in India. And so, and you mentioned uh, with kiwi tribes she wears those traditional uh, skins when she's there and that would all be methodically planned to make sure she had those with her and that she wore them at the appropriate time so it's very much as with everything to do with the queen it's about good manners it's about making your hosts feel comfortable and respected and so everything is organized around that. There are also practical considerations for royal tours, of course, which is weather can be changeable, the climate's not the same as it is in it is in here, and so things would need to be properly lined so that if a dress got wet, for example, it wouldn't become transparent. Those sorts of things are also borne in mind. What kind of uh, vehicle will she be traveling in? How will she get out of it? What will we see as she gets out of it? And so on. Yes, I loved one of the notes that you had that all of her clothes are 
are like scrunched up by her team so that yes. they can see how they will wrinkle coming in and out of a, a suitcase. That's so interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. The- there are no wardrobe malfunctions. There yes, are none. That's true. And everything, everything is watertight from that point of view. Everything is put through its paces. Yes. Uh, well, I have a question that's a bit odd, and I hope you don't mind that while you're promoting your book, I'm going to ask you about another book. Um, but okay. we're so excited for the Angela Kelly um, book that she's writing about dressing the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you tell us a bit about um, how you feel about that book coming out and what you're hoping We'll learn from it because you mentioned in yours that there are some secrets of royal dress that we still don't know much about. So what are you expecting from the Angela Kelly book? So Angela Kelly is an incredibly, incredibly important figure in this entire story. And I'll get back to that in a sec. But to put you out of your misery, I would not (laughs) expect any major revelations from this book. Um, Angela Kelly is still at the palace. She is the closest confidant of the Queen. Um, I have met people since this book came out who worked at the palace, and even they won't really tell me anything, Um, (laughs) let alone Angela Kelly, who is the number one most important person or member of staff in the Queen's life. So I certainly wouldn't expect any dirt to be dished. <laughs> and we know we know what happened when uh, the owner of Rigby and Pella wrote her book about being the Queen's corsetier. She promptly, oh, yeah. lost, <laughs> she promptly <laughs> lost her royal warrant, as of course she would have done. I don't know what she was thinking. You can't talk about the Queen's breasts. It's <laughs> so, so I wouldn't expect any major revelation from Angela Kelly. However, I will certainly be buying the book because I think she's an incredibly important and interesting fascinating character in the Queen's life and such a rich source of information um, and understanding about the Queen. I think their relationship is very, very special. So uh, Angela Kelly was um, hired by the Queen when she was a housekeeper to the British ambassador to Germany. The Queen met her, was very taken with her and asked the ambassador if she could poach her. Imagine saying no to the Queen. That, But of course, the ambassador said yes. And um, she hired Angela Kelly. She's been with her now for um, a couple of decades and she is responsible for everything to do with the Queen's wardrobe, jewellery, accessories, shoes, clothes, archiving, planning, everything. So exciting. Um, Well, I have another question. Uh, This is actually just for our our royal listeners who are super obsessed with brooches. That's a facet of um, our fan base (laughs) is that they are so interested in the pins that she wears. So what can Mm -hmm. you tell us about her brooches? And is it true that she uses them to send maybe some messages to people? Well, this is the joy of the Queen in that we will never know for sure. She will never confirm. (laughs) She will never deny her Motto is never complain, never explain. So we'll never know for sure. All we can do is speculate. But there are some things I do know for sure, or I'm, or I'm as sure as anybody could be. When I was researching this book, I spoke to a few people who had worked very closely with the Queen and they would give away nothing. But what they did tell me with absolute certainty is that she has the best memory of any person they've ever met. Ah. And um, that... And the consensus 
amongst everybody I spoke to was that the Queen does not make mistakes. There are no coincidences and there are no mistakes. And so, and she has an extraordinary memory and remembers every gift given to her, why it was given to her, by whom it was given. <laughs> and so I think we can draw our own conclusions from there. Of course, I can't say with any certainty that... Um, it was deliberate that she wore a personal gift from Barack and Michelle Obama, not a gift from the American people, a personal gift from Barack and Michelle Obama when she first met President Donald Trump. But come on. Like, <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't say with any certainty, but I can say that it would certainly appear that way to me. And, I mean, I love her for it. And... Equally, when she attended the state opening of Parliament after the Brexit referendum and she wore European blue with a wide-brimmed hat with star-shaped yellow flowers around the brim again, I mean, that's, that would be a coincidence and a half. Yes. I, I struggle. Everything I know about the Queen and the amount of thought I have seen put into every other outfit, I cannot accept that on such a momentous occasion that one outfit failed to be planned with the same forensic detail. Yes, I didn't. I hadn't known that or hadn't seen that news story at the time, and that one really amused me. She looks like the EU flag that day. <laughs> it's really kind <laughs> I mean, of she, remarkable. She literally does. Also, she's clever. She's really clever. Nobody who knows anything about the Queen, even people who don't like the Queen or who are Republicans, I mean Republicans in the royal sense, not in the American political sense, <laughs> um, anybody, even people who don't like her, would admit that she's clever yes. and that she is a very experienced diplomat and that she understands etiquette and convention more than probably anybody else in the world. And so the notion that she just suddenly wasn't thinking on the day of the state opening of Parliament, the outfit for which would have been planned very far in advance, by the way, um, I, I just, I reject it as a notion. <laughs> I, can't, I, I personally don't believe that. And I think, I think to meet such a deeply unpopular president in this country and I don't know how it scans over there but in this country your current president is deeply deeply unpopular the thought of our monarch meeting him for the first time and have him 12 minutes late by the way and for her and for her to be wearing a brooch personally given to her by the Obamas I, I feel that stretches my definition of coincidence a little far Yes, mm -hmm. extremely possible. So we also wanted to ask about her bags. You have said that there are like over 200 of them. And we wanted to know what exactly uh, goes into her bag, like inside of her bag, and what sort of designers do, does she wear? And like, what are the rules behind her bags? Like what, what goes into the royal bag of the queen? So pretty much, hang on, my dog has just heard the door and she's about to bark. So I'm just going to let her out. Oh my God, she we love a dog interruption. That is our favorite part of yeah, the queen Skype interviews. Yeah, the queen would love it most of all. I, I am just going to release her from my bedroom where I'm in my sick bed. Bear with me. We're choosing to believe it's a corgi. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, so handbags. So the Queen typically now just wears Lorna handbags. She was a little bit um, more adventurous in that she wore different labels a bit in the past, but now she pretty much exclusively wears handbags by a company called Lorna, uh, which are 1,400 
pounds. And she has them in various colours, although she mostly wears black or white. In that handbag, again, we can only really speculate and try and compare different reports and different bits of research. But the suggestion seems to be, well, the the items that seem to be um, most popular in coming up are um, a camera, a small camera for taking personal photographs, Um, mints, of course, because she's meeting people all day, Uh, a spare pair of gloves. She she always has money. Now, it's a it's a real cliche in this country. Ever since I was little, people have said, oh, you know, you never you never carry money like the queen. That's the thing you might say to somebody. But actually, the queen does always carry a bank banknote and it's always ironed and folded so that she can put it into um she can put it into a collection in a church and so uh, and so she always has that with her so that she doesn't have to turn to an attendant of some kind when in church she always has a banknote she can just slip in she will also have um a lipstick and a powder compact and those would be by elizabeth arden and clarins uh she will have tissues uh she often she also apparently has a clipping of a crossword from a newspaper so that if oh uh, she finds herself idle for a short amount of time, she can sit and do a crossword. <laughs> she always has one with her and, of course, a pen. I love uh, so no, no huge surprises. She does carry a mobile phone, I suppose. That's the, that's the most surprising thing. She does have a mobile phone, uh, which she uses to text um, her grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Oh, my gosh. That. Is that the <laughs> WhatsApp group text that we've heard about from Mike Tyndall? <laughs> I would love to think that she's on WhatsApp. That would please me greatly, but I have really no idea. <laughs> um, well, our last question is, of course, um, a tough one and one you'll probably get a lot in the next month, but we're asking anyway. Um, do you have a favorite outfit um, that the Queen has worn over her uh, nine decades? And uh, do you have a favorite color of hers that she wears? I think to answer your last question first, I think she looks terrific in pink and coral and she doesn't wear pink as much as she used to. And I think that's a shame because it really suits her. And I'm not much of a pink fan, but I think she looks terrific in it. Mm -hmm. My favourite outfit, I suppose um, I'm just such a sucker for leopard print. I wear lots of leopard print and we wouldn't really associate the Queen with leopard print, but there are a few pictures of her wearing it. And she looks terrific, mainly in the uh, 50s and 60s when it was super fashionable, but she she, she does look great. But I suppose overall, the outfit that's impressed me the most is neon at 90. So on her 90th <laughs> birthday, when she wore neon green, because I just think from a feminist point of view, I really admire that. I think when women uh, pass a certain age, they're expected to step back, to be invisible, um, to not really draw attention to themselves. And so I think the power of a very small lady of 90 thinking screw it I'm gonna wear neon green is kind of amazing (laughs) and I think and I think it's inspiring I think she I think all people should be seen regardless of how old they are and should command uh, their space in the world and the attention and so I think for somebody of the metaphorical stature of the queen um, as well as that tiny diminutive stature physically to come out in neon green on her 90th birthday is just a really cool statement and I admire her for that. I love that. Uh, Well, thank you so much again, Sally. We're so happy to have chatted with you and we recommend everyone um, go out and get your book, Our Rainbow Queen, a tribute to Queen Elizabeth II and her colorful wardrobe, um, which is a tiny book 
as appropriate for her diminutive stature, as mentioned. <laughs> and we were saying it would make a great holiday gift. It would like fit right into a stocking, I it think. It would. Oh. Um, I'm so, so pleased you liked it. <laughs> yeah, we love it. Thank you so much again, Sally. Um, and thank you for calling in. Thanks. Thank you very much to Sally. And nobody, obviously no one at home can see this, but the entire time she was speaking, Caitlin was going through the book (laughs) and showing me the outfits and the colors that Sally was referencing. And it was truly just a magical moment. And I wish I had that on tape. So thank you to Sally and thank you to Caitlin. Yes, of course. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, um, of course, we're recording ahead, but some highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low is going to be that we are missing the tour this week. For sure. But then my high, other than talking with Sally, is going to be that next week is going to be a jam-packed episode all about the tour. Yes. Beautiful. Um, Similarly low um, that we are missing the tour right in the moment, but excited. And my high was chatting with Sally and learning all about the secrets that the queen is keeping i love the crossword bit i love the crossword she sounds like my mom i know i loved her kiwi cloak that she wore in new zealand um i love there's like a there's a section of sally's book that's all just prints that she has worn and she really looks amazing in a print yeah this is honestly just such an interesting book because i think we all are interested in the queen and we see all these images about her, but then just have these little factoids that we like you wouldn't have thought of. And it's so apparently she used to call until the nineties she colored her hair in chocolate kiss was the name of the color that she dyed her hair. And then her lipstick, that's the funnest trivia. Yeah, she's wearing hot pink lipstick um, basically since Oscar Wilde's granddaughter told her to, who was an empress. Just like so much, so many fun facts. You know, we love trivia here. So super high. Um, You guys can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the Royals. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Here is a real review from... Princess, or sorry, Meghan Markle, princess fan. Would you like to read this one? Um, yes, it's very glowing. So I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to read it, but uh, um, sure, sure. <laughs> they write, uh, just like Meghan and Harry, you are also a dynamic duo. Wow. The prince poignantly wrote about his mom in his latest statement, adding, "We thank you, the public, for your continued support. It is hugely appreciated. Although it may not seem like it, we really need it. I believe you ladies are helping to do that by creating a platform supporting women." We all need to be good digital citizens. Thanks for making my week. Keep it up. Oh, that's so lovely. Yes. We're, we're of <laughs> course, not perfect people. We make lots of mistakes, but we try. We, we try, do try. So we appreciate people noticing the trying. <laughs> I hope we are a dynamic duo, but I never pull your ponytail out of your shirt. So I, should I start doing that? Well, I did cut my hair. Yeah, so. you don't have much of a ponytail to pull. I mean, you did take a really wonderful video of me dancing to Celine. <laughs> so we, we do our own things for each other. <laughs> we do. You can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast or join our Facebook group Royally Obsessed where we're always talking about brooches. Um, <laughs> you can follow me, Caitlin, at Hey K Men's H-E-Y-K-M-E-N-Z on Twitter and Instagram and read my writing at Caitlin Menza com you can follow me lisa everywhere at lisa raya with no n because that's a different lisa raya. that's true <laughs> and until next week when we're talking all things pakistan tour god save the pod god save the pod i wish i was wearing a brooch or i had like an interesting bag my bag <laughs> just has, like, my bag has a salad in it like <laughs> just a queen carry a salad her majesties of royally obsessed have retired for this episode God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.